you know what day it is. You've got myself, Notoriously Nicole, and Tara from App Village Park ready to share a new topic in the Catholic faith. Keep listening to the latest episode of The Cravert Chronicles. Happy Wednesday, all. It is Nicole and Tara here on an episode of the Cravert Chronicles. We are going to dive right in on, I think, is the perfect topic for today mm-hmm. of spiritual dryness. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we all experience this throughout the year. And me and Tara were scratching our heads trying to come up with something good to talk about this week. And Tara said, well, what about spiritual dryness? I feel like we're having trouble, writer's block, if you will, on something good to talk about because we don't want to just pick any old topic and not have anything meaningful to discuss. We want these podcasts to be filled with good information. We want to spread God's love and just our own interpretations of the Catholic faith at times. And I think that this is a really real and raw thing that everybody experiences at some point. Uh-huh. I yeah, guess- I'm always for the real and the raw. And, you know, like you said, this is something that we all experience. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's a good topic for us to give our input on. And hopefully some of our listeners can kind of share about their experiences as well. That would be nice to hear. Yeah, I think that we should definitely put something out on Instagram and asking people how they cope with it. Mm-hmm. But just to dive in, um, we found an article. It's called How Saints Overcame Spiritual Dryness. And it was on CatholicExchange.com. It's a fairly recent post, um, August 2018, by Father Joseph M. Esper. And there's a Bible verse he pulls from. It's Psalm 63, verse 1. And it says, O God, thou art my God. I seek thee, my soul thirsts for thee, my flesh faints for thee, as in a dry and weary land where no water is. So, of course, that's drawing off of literal spiritual dryness. Mm -hmm. And I know in our hearts, we always are thirsting for God. We want to have that relationship with Him. And I think that through that desire, sometimes we can overexert ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we like you had mentioned to me earlier, we might overextend ourselves on a situation or overcommit. And then we kind of get lost and we're just kind of like stranded, so to speak, in a desert of, oh my gosh, what do I do now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I especially think it's appropriate when it comes to Lent, but really anytime in, in our lives, because Lent, for example, I had mentioned many times that i was very excited to begin Lent season and was really looking forward to it. And so far it's been, it's been fine. Don't get me wrong, but I've had moments in my past where I think I had expectations for what Lent, for example, was supposed to look like and, and maybe how I was supposed to feel, or even when it came to, you know, doing the rosary for many years, I had heard about the rosary. And when I finally did it, I think that I had expectations uh, of just feeling, I don't know, some type of amazing way. And that wasn't owing to me. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it kind of led me to take a step back and 
not necessarily progress in the faith in the way that I think I was really supposed to. It, it just kind of held me back. Not that that's necessarily spiritual dryness at its core, but I think that moments like that have at times played a role in in spiritual dryness in my life. Yeah. And when you're looking, especially praying the rosary or saying prayers, it's easy to think in our heads that we're going to have this magical movie moment where the light shines upon us and there are angels singing, or we get that epiphany when something happens. Like, of course, in the back of our minds, if we're like, okay, God, if you ever decide to directly talk to us in this way, that would be really freaking cool. But (laughs) we're not always going to have that happening. I know that when I pray, it's usually me rambling on and off, having a conversation with God. Mm -hmm. And there are times where I might feel very passionate or very spiritual in that moment where go ahead, edit in the angels singing. I think it would fit perfectly there, but it's, it's easy to have those kinds of expectations and then have, have that let down feeling. Even for me as a cradle Catholic, sometimes I need to really pump myself up to get into that mindset. Mm -hmm. And even at church, sometimes just listening to the choir singing or listening to a gospel, it's even easy to get lost in that or zone out. And I know we've talked about that and addressed that in other episodes of trying to pay better attention in mass, but it could be spiritual dryness too, to sometimes feel, I guess, tired of the same old, same old when it comes to mass. And I was trying to think of ideas in general, when I've experienced spiritual dryness, what might help me get back in that rhythm because it's easy to fall off the horse. If you're doing all of these crazy prayer routines, prayers like at morning and morning at night during the day, you don't want to do the same thing over and over because then unless you're really meditating on it, it might not have that meat that you're really trying to to hold on to and sink your teeth into so to speak. Yeah. Then it just kind of becomes routine. And like you said, if you're not really getting anything out of it, but it's just a part of your morning, then you're not necessarily going to feel all that compelled to really want to do it again. Um, But beyond that, it just won't feel as lively as I think it should be. I mean, there's, there's a lot of work that I think we as humans have to put into our prayer life and our life with Jesus, right? It's just something to do. But when you mentioned mass a few minutes ago, I was thinking about how lately I've had a hard time really focusing at mass, mainly because right now my daughter is at the stage where she just wants to walk around everywhere. So she tries to get out of the seat. She tries to move about. And my husband and I have had to be a lot more on top of just, we were paying so much more attention to her than I think we've ever really needed to. And that really prevents me from focusing on what's going on and paying attention. And even though it's a part of my life that I'm in, I go to mass with this, again, expectation that I'm supposed to feel renewed and amazing. And sometimes I do, but I've actually found myself leaving more irritated, not because of mass, but because I'm I'm not really able to focus on it in the way that I would like to be. And that can leave me feeling kind of spiritually drained if I let it get to me. As you're saying this, I was thinking of ways you can 
try to fix your situation. Now, of course, it's temporary right now. Your your daughter having this newfound interest in getting up, walking around, and of course she's getting she's going to get to that age where she realizes that while she's supposed to sit and behave, it'll only make her want to get up and run around more <laughs> during yeah. mass. This is that age. Enjoy it while it lasts because this age is supposed to be fun once they get into that toddler age. I just remember from my own sister running around at mass and uh, us being, we had a cry room in our church sometimes, but when it was full, we'd have to sit in the main congregation. And of course it's like so chaotic with so many people around, but something I actually do that helps me sometimes when I, like you said, it's hard to focus or feel that renewing feeling. Cause sometimes I'll get that feeling too, where I'm making my way to mass and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be so great. I'm going to really sink into the gospel. I don't know what the homily will be about today. Whatever the father decides to tell us, I really hope that it just speaks to me somehow. And I have this expectation going in that somehow, some way, the specific gospel reading or that specific homily that that one specific priest is going to say at that specific mass, it's going to somehow in some way answer a question that I have. And of course, that's that's a that's putting on a lot of expectations going to just an hour long mass. I mean, I and I've done that to myself before. So something that I try to do if I have time before mass is look up the readings ahead of time. So in your case, since you already are going there knowing that you're going to have your hands full with your daughter, at least for a good chunk of the mass. Mm-hmm. I would just do a quick skim of those first two readings and the gospel. That way you already have an idea of what you're going into. Yeah. So when they're reading it, it you might not have to struggle as much to try to listen or strain yourself. You could also look in the church guide missile. Sometimes um, some masses, they'll print out a guide for you to follow. And one of the parishes I attend, my husband and I go to a few sometimes, depending on the times. Mm. One of them, they print out all the music, all the lyrics, and they print out the readings. And you could actually read and follow along. Mm. And one of the parishes, it's a big cathedral by us. So of course, it's really big. There's a lot of echo. And sometimes it's hard to hear the priest over kids and babies crying, which, you know, if your church isn't crying, it's dying. I get that. But (laughs) sometimes it's hard to hear. But I'll read along. And I actually really like reading it along because I'll even go back and reread parts of it just to familiarize myself. So that way, when the priest then goes into the homily, I actually have some sort of perception of where they're pulling from because last week the priest he was pulling more from the second reading and one of his homilies so it was really cool to see how he jumped around from each one so I think that's a good way for you at least to know that you did get something out of going to mass because you did pay attention to those readings going in and you were able to get that information out even if when the time comes that you have to run after your baby, at least you knew that you put in the effort enough to know what you wouldn't have missed, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's a very good idea, especially because 
as I said, going into mass, I'm feeling just enlightened and ready to listen. And when I leave, I'm kind of disheartened if I'm just stressed out about how mass went. So I think if I can look into the readings and and everything ahead of time, when I'm in a great, or I shouldn't say great, but a better state of mind, it's a lot (laughs) easier to, also it's easier to pick up on what's going on because there's little sound bites that I get in moments where I'm able to focus on what's happening, but then I just lose it and I have no idea where we're at. So at least it'll give me some kind of foundation to go off of. That's a very good idea. Yeah. And for me recently, reading along or reading the readings ahead of time, it's really just helped my overall understanding of some of these different verses in the Bible to pay attention to. And usually nine out of 10 times, the gospel readings and the the different verses are ones that I don't typically come across in my everyday devotional. Um, Of course, different from like the main, like the miracles and the parables that we tend to see throughout the year that I am familiar with. It is nice to get that refresher of, oh, I forgot about this or, oh, this is actually has a really good message to meditate on at some point. Yeah. So that's just a way to get back in that mindset. But also another way is obviously communion. Going up and receiving communion is a really great way to have that intimate moment receiving Jesus in your heart. Yes. And after you receive, you need to pray and have that moment with him. And I have found if I struggle during the first part of the mass or focusing and paying attention, after receiving communion, I always have some sort of, I guess, peacefulness that falls over me. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to, at least in that moment, for that short period of time, know, okay, I have a few special intentions or I've received communion on behalf of other people before. And that's something you can do if you want to pray for somebody else mm-hmm. or or, want, or thinking of someone who might need special prayers. And I'll say, Lord, I'm receiving this communion on behalf of so-and-so today, because even though I have all of these things that I need to work on or I need right now. I think they need it more. And, you know, that's something nice you can do too, because it changes up other than just praying for yourself (laughs) and for the upcoming week. So on this article, just to dive in a little bit deeper, there was a quote in there that I really like. I'm just going to read it verbatim. So it says, St. Ignatius of Loyola speaks of times of consolation when prayer is easy, joyful, and satisfying, and times of desolation where prayer is dry, uncomfortable, and unfulfilling. God gives us consolation to renew us and to reward us for our spiritual fidelity, but he allows desolation to purify us from our attachments and to remind us for our utter dependence on him. So that really speaks volumes to me because I think that in those times of how it says desolation or our spiritual dryness, we mm-hmm. might feel discouraged and think, oh my gosh, the Lord is going to be so disappointed in me for not taking this time seriously to say that's what it feels like to me when I experience spiritual dryness. How do I break this habit? We cower from feeling lazy. I know in my case, I'll feel like I'm slacking in my prayer life or I feel bad for not feeling as into it as I should or getting into that mindset. Mm -hmm. Interesting from 
here that desolation is to purify us from our attachments. So I guess attachments here, you can also substitute for, I guess, our rigidities in prayer, maybe, or like Mm -hmm. those that we tend to stick to or those really strict prayer schedules that we might have, but we can fall into a rut. That's what I think of. Yeah, it also makes me think about change, right? And I can say that I'm not always a fan of change because it can be scary, but I feel like moments of desolation and spiritual dryness are also a reminder that things do change, right? We're not always going to feel so hyped up about our faith or we might feel more alone at times. But like you said, that's not necessarily because of anything that we've done wrong, but we can use that to move forward. We can use it as, uh, I guess, motivation uh, to do something differently or to awaken another part of our spiritual life that maybe we really need to enter. Yeah, I think that in having those epiphanies or changing up our prayer routine, or if we decide to join a group of some sort or joining a community of people that can maybe help lift you up, I think sometimes those periods of desolation are God trying to wake us up and say, hey, why don't you try doing this this way? Because I have something amazing planned for you in this completely different area of ministry that you never would have thought of had you been super comfortable in your everyday routine. You know, just something off the off the cuff like that. But it's interesting how it says, in times of consolation, prayer is easy, joyful, and satisfying. And I think that when we, especially as Catholics, when we're trying to, I don't want to say sell the faith, but, you know, talk all of the good things about it and talk it up, of course, we want it to sound like easy, breezy, and you're going to feel like you're walking on water all the time. Right. No pun intended, but <laughs> it's not... <laughs> Prayer is, is, it's a time for us to have that intimacy with God, which I think is really important, but that's not going to mean it's always easy. Cause I think that there are times when you pray that you need to pray when times are really hard. Yeah. And I think that when it's the hardest to pray, it's when you need it the most. Mm-hmm. It's as important to say prayers, thanking God for, or being gracious for the things that he has blessed you with, even though. It is kind of easy in the moment. It's really easy to pray and say prayers when you're happy about things as opposed to when you're upset and want to crawl into a hole somewhere and not be bothered by anybody. But it is interesting because then looking back, remember a few weeks ago we were talking about Jesus in the desert when he was tempted by Satan. He essentially, you would think that in that situation, he would feel that desolation but he was just completely in the presence of God out there. He yeah. just completely stripped down to the bare living. Yeah, he was simply yeah. surviving on his faith, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, well, it reminds me of suffering a little bit. And even yes. in moments of suffering, for me at least, that's a time where I notice I reach out more because I am struggling and I am having a hard time. And I think... And this may not be the case for everyone, but during those moments of spiritual dryness where it can feel so empty, sometimes that's actually what compels me to reach out to Jesus. And maybe even like you had said, in a different way, 
you know, I think there's always that prompting that we get from him. And sometimes that's going to look like suffering in our lives or, or spiritual dryness or whatever it is to kind of shake things up a little bit and move us along in a different direction. I think if we listen more, we can be more open to what some of those pockets of dryness can mean. Yeah. And in those pockets of dryness, I think that's when you could really use your emotions in a creative way. And like, for example, for me, music is a big outlet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I don't want to just sit by myself in silence and pray, sometimes I've even just picked up my guitar and just started like playing a few chords. And just from the feeling of that music, it can evoke emotion or like that passion. And I've even, I, this sounds really weird and you're probably like, wow, that's a first. I actually said a rosary once while I was like playing soft guitar music in the background and it just I don't know what it was I did it once (laughs) but it was a nice change because I felt like um with every note that I played it was just it was a beautiful sound and then it made me think of the beauty of the blessed mother and music and prayer and worship can be a very powerful thing especially if you go to these conferences where they have prayer and worship music in these bands and there are some beautiful Christian artists out there where their music is just so meaningful because you're not only listening to the music itself but the words mm-hmm. and a lot of songs it's like a prayer yeah and they say when you sing in worship it's like praying twice so mm-hmm. it's really like look at David Psalms he would sing and praise God that way mm-hmm. and he would write all of these prayers to him and it, it would be like beautiful music Mm-hmm. So that's like a way to change up or I'm trying to think what else the one thing is though you can change up what you're doing but I think you need to remain consistent in what yeah. you try to do like for example today actually I normally you know my whole spiel I pray in the morning on my way to work that's just when I have time and when I feel the most vocal to pray to God yeah but feeling a little anxious when I woke up thinking about everything I had to do at work and just not looking forward to what the day had to bring. And I'm trying to break that habit when I wake up because when you, we wake up, it's we're, we should be thanking God for that day and saying today is going to be a great day. No matter what comes my way, you want to try to maintain that positivity. So I found a prayer to say before going into work. And just by saying that prayer, it kind of instilled a little bit of what I was missing in that spiritual dryness pocket of time, I guess you can say. Just by changing up the types of prayer that you're saying or searching for different prayers or making them up on the fly, I think. You don't always have to do it by the book or say a formal rosary every time you want to say prayers and have that that intimate time with God, I think. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good way to overcome dryness. I know that one of the things that I tend to do, I love to write. And when I was in my undergrad program in psych, we talked a lot about free writing, which is basically just whatever comes to your mind, write it out on paper. You don't filter it. You just write whatever comes to your mind and you give yourself an allotted amount of time to do that. And I've actually done that quite a bit 
when it comes to like, I might read a Bible verse or something to that effect. And I'll use that to free write or even meditate on. And usually that just kind of helps me to expand upon whatever it is that I'm reading. And I, I get new insights from that. So for me, oh. that's actually been helpful in kind of overcoming it. It sort of gets me over a hurdle and gets me interested in thinking outside of the box. Oh, you're Bible journaling, Tara. I'm so, I'm so excited for you. That's such a great thing. Yo, I love writing too. I just sometimes get antsy and I don't want to sit and write like that. Yeah, I wish I did. And there are times where I am compelled to write and I get the writing bug where I have an idea or something. I just need to write and I won't stop. And I love that feeling. But no, that's a really good thing to do because like you said, it kind of gives you that outlet and it's a way to meditate on the verse somehow. And What's really interesting is then walking away and then coming back to it on a different day and reading how you felt when you wrote it. And you could actually come to different conclusions about a verse or just based on what your mood was at the time that you wrote it. Exactly. I, I love that too. And I think spiritual dryness, it's personal to us too. Like there are certain things that get us pumped up in the faith or wanting to have that relationship with God. But then there are things that tend to get boring. I hate to say it after a while. So another thing that I think is helpful during the season of Lent, I had said, I wanted to say a rosary, if not every day, at least a few times a week. And I get so lazy just thinking of having to recite a whole rosary by myself without having water or something handy. So (laughs) so I can take a sip and review Hail Marys because you're reciting a lot of words just coming out of your mouth. And sometimes I just don't have that energy to start it. So what I've started doing is I type into either YouTube or um, in podcast, there's somebody saying a rosary. And I love it because then they're the ones keeping count. I can just go ahead and recite it with them and meditate more on what the mysteries are. There's actually, there is a podcast that I I shared on Instagram a few weeks ago. They're called Rosary Cast. Okay. I think that's what it is. They're from like 2007. These podcasts have lived on for like 12 years (laughs) and- it's it's a rosary, but it's kind of an extended rosary where what they do is instead of just listing what the mystery is and saying the decade, it's I think it's a husband and wife where he will say the Hail Marys and the Holy Marys and the main parts. But the wife, she pretty much goes through the entire mystery during the decade. So you're kind of, yes, yeah, so you're kind of into like story mode which I like sometimes because I like, I like listening to stories. I like listening to things as they're being told. And it really, I was listening to one, um, it was the Sorrowful Mysteries. So they took me through that whole rosary and it was a bit longer. But by the end of it, I was just in this state of, it was very solemn because I was really meditating on the passion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And 
what he was feeling, what he was going through. And it was so powerful. And I just remember, and that was in the morning on my way actually to the gym, ironically. And I didn't finish it when I got there. So I decided I just hopped on a treadmill and I just kept listening to it. And while normally I'd be trying to pump up my heart rate and get into my workout, I actually was really happy to just kind of go at my own pace and just listen and really get into the rest of the rosary. So, and that's something I had never done before, but I feel like this season of Lent particularly, it's been a nice change to feel like I'm not completely by myself praying. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I had thought about, I actually need to uh, download an app. So many people have shared with me on Instagram, some good ones that I could download so I could pray along. And I just haven't done that yet. But I really I need to get on that. I think that's a really good idea. Which apps? There's like apps on well, you and I have Google phones, but there's an app you can <laughs> download. I was going to say on my iPhone, but I don't have that anymore. Um, on the Google phone there on any phone, really, I guess just go to the app store. And there's a few I have to look back and see which ones people suggested. But basically, it's it'll be helpful to me because a lot of the free time I have is in the car. And even though that's not always ideal when I have time to pray, so I could play it in my car as I'm driving into work. And I think that would be so much easier. But well, when I get the names of them, I'll let you know. Yeah, please do. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when I say my main time to pray is when I'm driving, it, it really is like I've come to really enjoy my commute just by yeah. praying or listening to prayers and praying along. And sometimes my prayers in the morning, if it's not a rosary or listening to other prayers, I'm talking to God about my day, about things that are on my heart, things that might be happening in the world or things, friends that I want to pray for them. It's anything. It's kind of just my time. And I really enjoy that because when I lived at home before I got married, my house was really close to my work. So I didn't have enough time in the morning at that point to really say a real prayer or kind of get into it. Whereas I have a bit more of a commute now. So I can really allow myself to get immersed in a prayer or just even a few times driving home from work, I've just sat in silence and have just enjoyed the silence of sitting with God and as I'm driving and having that peacefulness. So it doesn't look the same for me every day. And I know some people have a very strict routine that they pray this prayer at this time. They have to do this no matter what, you know, it gets old after a while. And maybe it's our generation because things (laughs) bore us easily or we tend to want to change things up every now and then. But I don't think it's necessarily bad to want to do that because why say a prayer consistently every day, but if you're not in the right mindset, Right. Say, I saw a quote somewhere where it said, there's nothing more powerful than one super intense Our Father than like 50 just rambled off ones. I don't think that was exactly what the quote said, but that's essentially what it was saying. (laughs) Oh, really? That's not exactly what it said? (laughs) No, apparently not. They're not like in Nicole's speech, but um, you know know what I'm saying? So it's just by having that one really meaningful one, it could pretty much cancel out the not so great mindset prayers. 
Yes. No, that makes so much sense. And as you were talking, I was thinking too about getting inside of my head too much sometimes. And it yeah. made me think about another way of overcoming dryness. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've, if this has ever actually worked for me or not, but it's more just an idea that I, I have now and I'm thinking of maybe using as I move forward. But the idea of getting outside of ourselves and doing something for another person or praying for another person. Because I know when I get upset that I don't feel like I'm progressing in anything, but especially my spiritual life, or I feel like God is so distant, it's just easy for me to kind of not literally curl up in a ball, but figuratively, I just feel like overwhelmed by that. So I think to get outside of ourselves to focus on our families, right? Like, or whatever it is that our vocation is, try to really live out what we're supposed to do and focus more on those meaningful relationships and, and living out God's word, praying for other people, right? Just anything to get us outside of our own heads in a way that I think is healthy and and good I think might be another good way of sort of getting through that spiritual dryness. But like I said, I, I don't know that I've actually tried that in that way, but it's just an idea that that came to me. No, I definitely think getting out of our heads is really important because when we're in our heads, we overthink. And once you overthink, it's kind of like a spiral effect because if yeah. you're actively thinking, I am in a state of desolation right now, what do I do to fix this? And you start trying to go through all of these methods. It just makes you, like you said, want to curl up in a ball and not do anything because we want things to come easy to us. <laughs> as, horrible, as horrible as it sounds, it's just how we tend to revert back to wanting things to just happen for us and it doesn't happen that way. So praying for others, I think is important because then it really takes off all of that pressure on you. And you could put that energy out there for somebody else who really might really need that more than you. Like I was saying, sometimes I'll take communion on behalf of somebody else. Yes. And it gives me something to pray about. It gives you kind of spiritual juice to spread, um, so to speak. That doesn't sound right, but I'm going to go with it. And it, it just it just really gives you that fuel to add to that fire that you're burning, that you really do have deep down for Jesus. Yes. You, we have to look and see Jesus in other people too, because that's right. really important. Um, I also think, and like you said, going outside of ourselves, I'm going to go one step further and say having a prayer partner or somebody to pray with or talk about God with, I think it's really nice to have that outlet of like you and I, like what we're doing, we like to talk about these different topics and kind of put that out there in the open as opposed to having the internal dialogue of your thoughts when it comes to how you feel in the faith or your spirituality. I think that that's nice to have that outlet. And I think through Instagram anyway, this has been newer for me within the past few months, getting really involved in the Catholic Instagram world, but really getting to share with others my thoughts or getting to share Bible verses or sharing prayers. I think it's nice because then you can compare what you might do to how other people might pray or get in the right mindset and it could inspire you and yes. inspire others. And I think that that's just as important because not only are you working to strengthen your own faith, but you might be helping somebody strengthen theirs. 
And I think that, yeah, that's huge. I agree. I think that's really, I think anytime that we're really trying to live out the message, you know, what God wants us to do. And like you said, and being with other people and finding him and others, I think that we'll feel strength. But that made me think as well, people have spiritual directors, which is not, I actually, I don't have that. I was thinking about how important that would probably be. But, uh, you know, again, if any listeners that we have have a spiritual director, I'm curious to hear how that's been for you and what that experience has been like, because I hear wonderful things about that. Well, technically, there is an opportunity to have a spiritual director simply going to confession. Very true. Letting that priest be your spiritual director in that moment. Or if you make appointments to go to confession with the same priest and they're familiar with your history, then then they could really fine tune you, how they should guide you or give you the right advice that you may need or listen to any issues that you're having in the current time, because that's essentially what they're there for too. Not only to just say you've been absolved of your sins, right. but when I was preparing for my wedding, a priest that married my husband and I, he had suggested going to confession with him obviously separately leading up to the wedding because my husband had just become Catholic and he was in general getting used to going to confession. And he liked going to that priest because he was already familiar with him, even though he initially thought, well, this is weird. He's going to know all of my secrets and I don't want that, (laughs) but (laughs) it was actually nice. And I had mentioned to you prior to a a while back just saying it feels like therapy when you're in there with them and for me leading up to the wedding I had lots of things to talk about and just spiritually needing that guidance he was there for me and he was able to really give me some good input on things so don't feel like you won't have a spiritual director available to you because you definitely will just by going to confession at all but I think also finding someone who is maybe older than you in the faith who might have had a a similar path that you are on. That's always somebody that you can meet through church groups or prayer groups. They can also serve as that spiritual director or more, maybe more of a mentor, I guess, so to say. Yeah. Because um, I guess for you, when you went through RCIA, you had a sponsor, I'm assuming, right? Yes. That was my grandmother. Oh, that's so nice. You know, I think there's a lot that she is not. Well, I should also say her health has seemingly been failing her a little bit. So unfortunately, it's a little bit harder for her. I mean, we go to the same church and we can definitely talk about the faith, but I think on a different level than maybe how I would talk to you. You know what I mean? You know, you could also do. And this is just thinking outside the box. You yourself can become a sponsor for somebody who was once in your shoes. That's a very good point. I know that like you're thinking we're just jumping from spiritual director to mentor, but it is interesting to see what you know about the faith and how you've lived it out until you've really started telling other people about it. And I actually sponsored a girl in my husband's RCIA group because I attended with him every week and I pretty much told him, you're going to do this. I'm going to do it with you. 
and I want to understand the whole process. And I ended up becoming friendly with a girl who was my age there who was becoming Catholic. And they ended up matching me with her as a sponsor. And it was a really cool experience because my husband, while yes, he would have loved to have had me sponsor him. I just thought it would be right to have, you know, like maybe like an older guy who might think more like him or somebody that he might identify with more just as a man in general, because there are questions that he had that are, were things that I personally couldn't answer or knew how to properly guide him to the right resources. Yeah. So that was kind of his spiritual mentor. And I know he got a lot out of that. And I would hope that the girl I sponsored got a lot out of my relationship with her, but she ended up, you know, she became Catholic and it was an intense period of time for her because she was engaged and she initially joined RCIA to become Catholic for her fiance, who was all the way over in Africa. And yeah, and it was crazy. And halfway through, she broke off their engagement. And um, me and a few of the other people that ran the the program, they were asking her, they're like, well, do, are you still going to go through with this? Or were you only doing it for him? And she goes, no, I actually part of the reason is because I'm getting so involved in this, I've been learning a lot more about myself and my relationship with God. And she just completely went off in a new direction. So it was really, it was a really interesting experience, but anyway, I mean, that's getting a little off topic, but just in general, having those relationships with people and watching them grow, I think, I think that would be a cool way to change up your prayer life or your ministry. Yes. You know, helping out at faith formation with kids. And yeah. well, when I was younger, they used to call it CCD classes, but mm-hmm. now where I am, they call it faith formation. I don't know if it's different anywhere else, but yeah, I think um, it's here, faith formation. Yeah. And if you prefer working with kids in a different kind of environment, you know, there are so many ways that you can, like you say, give to others or give your time for other people within the church that I think you'll be doing something good, but it's also just something new to dabble in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that I, I actually want to go back and be a sponsor again in RCIA. I had told them I might do it this year after my wedding, but obviously things got really crazy. And just with the transition, I didn't want to sign up and be committed to someone and know that I wouldn't be able to be there for half of it. It just wouldn't be fair to them. But I actually think Easter's late this year, but this time last year, I think that it was already the Easter vigil and they all went through and became Catholic. It was a really cool experience. Going through that process really awakened something in me too, because I was seeing it through new eyes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it was cool. Yeah. I think if you have an opportunity to go through RCIA, I mean, I know people that have just sat through it. When I went through it and my husband went through it, we had quite a few people that were just sitting in because they wanted to learn something new or because they just wanted to sort of, you know, I guess, catch up on on some of the stuff they might have missed early on in their education. So it's actually a really nice thing to go through if you have an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I think it's definitely an eye-opening experience. And 
It's different because a lot of the basics that they learn in RCIA are things I learned when I was in Catholic school, when I was in like second, third grade. But it was it was different because as a kid, it's more watered down. They approach it differently. But as an adult, it's really matter of fact and there's no judgment. And people were asking all kinds of questions. And I loved that it was so it was sort of cute to me in a way because the questions that they would ask were really genuine and sweet and they truly wanted to know more but they just didn't let me share one thing that I thought was really funny at our I think it was at the interest meeting my husband and I went to before he officially enrolled in RCIA and the woman was giving an overview and she talked about how past a certain point they'd be expected to attend mass every Sunday as a group and then then they would have to go to their first confession when she said that there was a guy in the interest meeting and he just the way he reacted was so funny I was trying not to laugh not making fun of him just because it was silly to me he just was like wow we get to go to confession <laughs> and and the woman looked at him funny she goes yeah confession reconciliation and she goes do you know what that entails and he's like oh I mean my only real experience with it is from the godfather is it anything like that and he's like he's asking her all of these questions <laughs> about like how does being catholic compare to these movies that i've seen it was just it was cute though because he was he was a younger guy and i don't know what brought him there but he went through the whole process and he he wasn't baptized either so he went through the whole process got baptized yeah. received communion and confirmed all in one program so it was really interesting to see his transformation but yeah it was funny but um anyway <laughs> so i think we can start to close but i do want to read this one other quote that we saw on this article that i think really ties things up so this period of desolation it's really god allowing us to go through this period of testing and growth and ultimately it really is going to help us progress in our spiritual lives because if we have things that come so easy to us after a while we're not going to put that passion and that effort into it if it comes easy but if we need to work for it or try something new, something completely wonderful might come of it. Like we were saying, joining a new group, you know, praying with a friend or, you know, even trying Bible journaling, changing up your everyday prayer routine or putting yourself out there, thinking outside the box, I think is really going to cure that spiritual dryness. Yeah, I, I think that sums it up perfectly. I agree 100%. Okay, so let's close with a quick prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, thank you for letting Tara and I discuss. Being able to admit that we all go through periods of having spiritual dryness, that feeling of not having comfort, being in a state of unfulfillment, and feeling guilty about that, but it's totally okay because that might be pointing at us to turn in a different direction or change things up, which is really important for our personal and spiritual growth. And for our listeners out there, help them to think about being able to admit when there are times in their faith that they might not be super into it 
and maybe pinpointing their interests and things that do spark that passion and that thirst for you and hopefully to live that out every day and share that with others. So Lord, as we're already in April now, help us in these next last few weeks leading up to Lent to really get super into the faith, delve into new pastimes, new ways to pray, new activities, meeting new people, and then continue that thereafter. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great Wednesday, everyone. Bye, everyone. Hey, Nicole here. How'd you like our latest episode of the Crabbert Chronicles? If you liked it, hit that subscribe button, because guess what? Not only can you subscribe on the Anchor app, but any of the platforms that you decide to listen to our show on. So that means you'll never miss out. Every week, you'll get a notification every time we publish a brand new episode. And you know what I'm going to say next. Go on Instagram. Check us out at Notoriously Nicole and at Village Park. And if you don't want to search us there, you can search us using hashtag on Wednesdays, we wear grace, where you can sit with us.